Yudchet Av, Tavshinayin Chet, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Galia Tarin Eden Ben Zaken, together with a few thousand other people, in honor of Israel's 70th anniversary. That was the remake of the famous Hallelujah, the song that won the Eurovision contest way back when, what was it, 79 or so? And, and and here we are again, but in a very different situation with the Eurovision. Welcome in, one and all. Welcome to this week's edition of The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten, here every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM Eastern, 4 PM Israel time, and around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is now, that's what time we are on. That's just amazing. It's an amazing fact. Uh, we are also available on demand whenever you want to listen to us, and many people do. You may want to recommend to your friends. On demand via NachumSiegel.com. Go to the archives, look for the Israel show. And of course, via the beloved, as Nachum likes to say, Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available for free, both for uh, iOS X, or iOS, I should say, for Apple and for Android operating systems. Um, we're going to devote a big part of today's show to new music, as I guess the um, three weeks, nine days, Tisha B'Av, it's all over, and new music is coming out, new Israeli music is coming out in droves, and we've picked uh, a few pearls that we're going to share with you during the day. We'll also introduce you to a young artist by the name of Avi Gans, or Avi Gans, Fascinating story. And uh, we have Nusa, who, who's on the roster? Yoni Genot, Ariel Zilber, Ariel Horowitz, um, and and others will be joining us with, uh, not they personally, but you know what I'm saying, right? With brand new music. Um, we'll start off with Yoni Genot's brand new song, and it's I think it's just called Nigan, or Nigan Mitzvah, or something like that. The the amazing part of it, besides the nigan, which is it, it it's addictive almost, is the great video clip that goes with it. And of course, we're going to put that clip on the link to the clip to the YouTube clip. Will go on a little after the show, together with the YouTube clips to all the songs that we're going to be playing today that have YouTube clips. This is like a production. A movie production, very cute, very, very interesting. Uh, we'll try next week. Maybe we can either have Yoni Genot on or we'll talk to him off the air and try and give you the whole story behind uh, behind it. So uh, debuting right here, brand new, Yoni Genot, Nigun. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> Did I need it at my Ay, 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 ay,
Brand new debut right here on the Israel show. Yoni Genut with uh, Nigun or Nigun Mitzvah. We'll, we'll find the exact name. Just came out. I believe it came out on Tu Be'av, which was, uh, which was Friday. So literally just came out. Uh, and do yourself a favor, as I like to say, do yourself a favor and take a look at the video. Uh, the video clip, very well produced video clip, very cute. Um, we are posting the link to it on uh, on our YouTube page, on our YouTube page. I'm sorry, on our Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/TheIsraelShow, and we're going to post a link to YouTube where you can watch the video. Um, you could also just, uh, if you don't have Facebook or whatever, just do Yoni Geno, do a search, Yoni Geno Nigun. It's, um, it, I'm sure you'll, you, you should find it pretty easily. Um, I came across this. It was written yesterday, published yesterday. It is a uh, sort of goodbye letter from the Japanese ambassador to Israel who is uh, obviously returning back to Japan. To preface the letter, I tell you this. There were, there were many years, maybe even decades, where Japan was in the holes and the throes of the Arab boycott, where Israel was almost persona non grata in Japan. And Japan being the powerhouse of technology that it is, that was a very difficult thing. But uh, that is changing. It is changing very quickly. And the letter that he published, and I'm, I'm going to be reading this English version that was published in uh, Israel Hayom, it to me is, um, like we always like to say, Az goyim Hashem You know, the, the nations of the world... That's the prophecy, right? The nations of the world will say, "Look how God has, what God has done for this for this people. Look how special these people are." And um, as he says at the beginning, he knew nothing about Israel when he came. You may find what I am going to say impertinent. <laughs> impertinent is a very nice word for chutzpah. But I have discovered impertinence can be a virtue in Israel. I love it. And you see, no holds barred. So I hope you will indulge me in this letter. When I arrived here two and a half years ago, I didn't know anything about this country. Despite my long career in foreign service, he knew nothing about Israel. It's amazing. The lack of preconception, however, has never been a disadvantage. Right? You don't come in with any pre- preconceived notions. You can judge for yourself. You don't understand Israel unless you come here. The country, moreover, undergoes constant change. So even if you go, you have to keep on top of it because the country keeps changing. I find myself, writes uh, the departing ambassador, Japanese ambassador to Israel, I find myself extremely fortunate that my term in Israel included tremendous progress in our bilateral partnerships on all fronts, from political dialogue to business cooperation. But what I've enjoyed most during my tenure is actually 
talking to people. Every Israeli has a story to tell, and very few are reticent to tell it. And what amazing stories you hear. Stories of hope, of despair, courage, faith, compassion, and above all, the power of the human bond, what we would call achdut. The conversations I've had with so many people here are the most precious souvenirs that I bring back to Japan. Continues the uh, departing ambassador Koji Tomita. Indeed, the people are the most valuable asset this country possesses. Take the example of the famous Israeli ecosystem. When I arrived here, I tried to discover the secret behind Israel's innovative business culture. I listened to people talk about this scheme or that fund with great interest, but after a while, I started to notice that things don't work in a systematic way in this country. And then I came to realize that this so-called ecosystem is in essence actually a network of enterprising and ingenious people. In my view, the whole point of the ecosystem is to let the Israelis be Israeli. Uh, That is so good. That is so good. Because of my admiration for the Israeli people, says uh, Koji Tomita, ambassador to Israel who is now returning to Japan, Because of my admiration for the Israeli people, the main focus of my activity has been to create and expand human connections between our two countries. This has involved not only developing contacts among the elite in politics and business, but also reaching out to ordinary people. For example, there are two very important sources of goodwill toward Japan in this country. The one is the so-called budokas, who practice all kinds of Japanese martial arts. And the other is the youth who enjoy Japanese pop culture, such as, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, manja or manga, and anime. Their goodwill is an important foundation for our friendship, and I'm gratified that I've been able to engage them closely on various occasions. I have also developed deep respect for Israel as a nation during my stay. These Listen carefully. These are such important words, amazing words. In modern history, few countries were born with greater disadvantages than Israel. I got to tell you, I, 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 Mayor Weingarten, am moved almost to tears as I'm reading this from this person who came to Israel two and a half years ago, knew nothing about it, and now is stating in such clear terms the miracle that we understand that the state of Israel is. I have also developed deep respect for Israel as, as a nation during my stay. In modern history, few countries were born with greater disadvantages than Israel. Overcoming these disadvantages in establishing a strong nation is in itself a great achievement. But Israel has gone further than that. It has turned innate disadvantages into advantages, from a drip irrigation mechanism to the thriving military industry, you see many examples of Israel's remarkable capacity to derive strength from weakness, which I think is a hallmark of a great country. It reminds me of the Pasuk, Min HaMeitzar Karati Ka'anani Bamer Chavka. I called out to God from 
the disadvantages and God, please answer me in, in the great expanses in the Merchav. Looking ahead, continues Ambassador Koji Tomita, my hope is that Israel will make greater efforts to use this strength not only for its own benefit, but for the benefit of the broader regional and international community. It has, also, it has already started doing so. For instance, by sharing its cutting-edge technology with the rest of the world, being a robust democracy in this troubled region is in itself an important contribution to regional stability. Wow, how this guy sees it so clearly. But I firmly believe, he says, there is room for Israel to play a much more positive role in the region. This, of course, is not something it can achieve single-handedly. The region has to do a better job of accepting Israel. It should, however, continue to be an aspiration. And I think, you know, if I'm reading between the lines, I think he realizes that a large segment of Israel has lost hope, at least for this generation, in doing anything that, that making any sort of treaty with the uh, Palestinian Arabs. And, and he wants people to continue, that the peace should continue to be an aspiration, although I think he understands clearly, as he said, it can't be achieved single-handedly. The region has to do a better job. He continues, I should also add that Japan can play a role of catalyst in this endeavor. The four-part industrial project in Jericho involving Japan, Israel, the PA, and Jordan is an example of what we can accomplish with creativity, patience, and mutual commitments. Usually, he writes, two and a half years are too short a time for an ambassador to do a proper job, but in Israel, each day is filled with unbound energy, excitement, and discovery. I am concluding my time here with great satisfaction as well as optimism for the future of our friendship. Koji Tomita, the Japanese ambassador to Israel. Let me just say, first of all, he has such a clear understanding of Israel. Having come with no understanding of Israel, he is leaving with such a clear understanding of Israel and of the situation in the region. And he's coming from a very similar country. Japan, like Israel, is small in geography, it has little natural resources, and its its great asset is its people and the innovation. So maybe that's one of the reasons that he can so click, if you will, with Israelis and with Israel, and understand how amazing what Israel did and we would, of course, say miraculous what Israel did was. Um, that's from Yisrael Hayom. We'll try and post it. If I can find the link that I got it from, we'll try to post it. Just out, outstanding um, letter from the Japanese uh, ambassador. Brand new from the great Ariel Zilber. Karen Rishon... Is that what we're doing now? Yeah, Karen Rishonahiftsiya. Gorgeous words, poetic, poetry, talking about the day, the first rays of the sun that break through, the sleepiness of the world that withdraws, the cock-a-doo-doo that you hear, and the, 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 the fle- fleeting um, clouds that are going through the sky, and 
and rejoice. Bo v'neitzebimachol. Let's go out and dance. Lo loti pol. Don't worry. We're not going to fall down. Atayachol zereshet or it's the net of the light of the light of the world. There's a net under us that won't let us fall. It's just just beautiful. Maybe we'll analyze the words at a future time. Brand new from Ariel Zilber. Just came out. We're debuting it here on The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. 
Ariel Zilber, brand new here. Karen, we show Nahiftia. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Big story in Israel this past week. And uh, the video of it, I'm, I'm assuming, has been seen by uh, tens of thousands, if not more, was the fact that a stone fell out of the Kotel, the western wall, came crashing down from um, pretty high up. It did not fall on the main prayer area, the main Kotel Plaza. It actually fell smack dab in the what they call the uh, Ezrat Yisrael, that area that was set aside in a compromise with the conservative and reform movements, the area that was set aside for uh, mixed prayers, where men and women worship together in the conservative and reform uh, tradition. I don't know if tradition is the right word, but I guess we can call it that. Um, Well, of course... It's made huge news, and of course, all the people that um, like to speak in God's name and who know exactly what God is thinking, and who've uh, had had probably emails from God during the night, made a big deal out of how the day after Tishabov the stone fell, and it fell specifically in that area. The rabbi of the uh, Western Wall, Rabbi Shmuel Rabinovich, said that we should have massive soul-searching after this. We should always have soul-searching, and surely when something dramatic happens, no question about it. There were no injuries. The stone, which was from the, you know, the Kotel is made of what they call Herodian stone, those of you who are familiar with this, um, if you stand in front of the Kotel, at the base of where the plaza is, that's not the base of the Kotel, but the base of where the plaza is today, you'll see that the stones have like a frame around them that is etched into the into the actual stone itself, like chiseled in, a frame around every stone. And that you can see, those are stones from the Herodian era, Herod was a uh, great Russia, an evil person, and on the other hand did great massive works of architecture like the palace at Masada, like the port in Caesarea, like Herodion in Gush Etzion, rebuilt the second Beit HaMikdash. And the image that we have of the second Beit HaMikdash in pictures and drawings, not pictures of it itself, but drawings and pictures of um, of models of it and so forth, the grandeur of it and and so forth that was built by Herod and and Chazal say in the Gemara and and Chazal were not big fans of Herod to say the least that if you didn't see the building of Herod and of the Beit Hamikdash you've never seen a beautiful building in your life. Um, so the Herodian stones uh, go up to a certain point in the Kotel, and then on top of that. I guess when the, those stones were either pushed off by the conquerors or fell, 
off the top. There's stones that were added later. But most of the stones in the Kotel are big Herodian stones. This one weighed 220 pounds, which is light for that kind of stone. And God forbid, had it fallen in in, in the main area, there would have been a lot of casualties. Um, does this happen often? Uh, maybe once in a thousand years? You know, something like that. It is very, very, very unusual. Hamas, of course, said Israel's behind it. <laughs> you can't make this up. Quote, due to the continuous Israeli excavation at Al-Aqsa Mas compound, a huge rock was seen falling from the Al-Burak wall. That, that's what they call the Kotel. Um, earlier today. One of the Israeli occupation authorities up to. Hands off Al- Hashtag hands off Al-Aqsa Mosque, the Palestinian news outlet tweeted. In a statement, so just to try and understand what happened and how that can happen, how does a stone fall, just fall out? In a statement, the IAA, the Israel Antiquities Authority, said there were a number of possibilities that may have led to the stone's fall, such as vegetation growing in the wall's cracks, that we see that very often, that there's vegetation growing in the cracks of the Kotel, and so the vegetation, the roots push on the stone, or entrapped moisture that may have led to the stone's wear, W-E-A-R. There is also the possibility of a still unknown engineering failure, which is amazing because the massive structures that Herod built still stand. I mean, think about the how massive the Kotel is and that it is basically holding up a landfill, which puts tremendous pressure on it. And it's, it's still there 2,000 years later. With the help of advanced technological methods, IAA experts will begin carefully monitoring the area of the fall as part of a survey of the entire area and the formulations of recommendations for the elimination of such dangers. Said the IAA, the Israel Antiquities Authority is aware of the sensitivity required in handling this case and will work in cooperation with all relevant bodies. So... I had read a very interesting, uh, acute story that the day after the stone fell, several rabbis came down to inspect what happened. That that, um, special platform that was built got uh, badly damaged. And the question of how to treat the, the stone and, how, you know, does it have any holiness and so forth? What do you have to do with it? So the rabbi of the Kota was there, the rabbi Rashi of Yushalayim was there, and, and the saintly rabbi Vigdor Nevensal was there. I, I the, Every time I mention his name or I envision his his continent, countenance, his face, I, I always feel like when I, whenever I met him I felt like I was in the presence of almost an, an otherworldly, an almost angelic figure. So Rav Victor Nevensala was a Talmud Muvak of uh, Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach told the following story. People started asking what should we do? Should, should we fast? You know, is it like I say for Torah falling and so forth? He said that 
The story is, many years ago, a family who lived in Yerushalayim, on the fourth floor of a building, their child fell out the window. Fell out of the fourth floor window and miraculously was not injured. Wow, that is amazing. So they decided that to celebrate this great miracle, they have to do, what should they do, what should they do? They went to many different rabbis. You know, some suggested learning, you know, a special learning program, and some suggested giving extra tzedakah, and some suggested doing a Sudas mitzvah, and everybody had a different suggestion. When they came to Shlomo Zalman Orbach, Shlomo Zalman Orbach said, first, put a grate on the window. Rav Nevensal said, first, let's make sure that the rest of the stones are secured. And we can talk about everything else. Such a great, such a great story. Um, and we'll keep you updated on the story of the of the stone that fell, because many more can fall as well. If if this and and some of them are way bigger than two hundred twenty pounds, heavier than two hundred twenty pounds, and if God forbid they fall in the main plaza and people are there always there, who knows what could happen. This next song came out again this last week. Is I just found it fascinating. A song that I think every one of our listeners know. Goes back many years. I don't think it's ever been sung like this. Shira Golan is an Israeli uh, um, artist, musician. And she has teamed up with Tamar Shauki. That's how it says here that you pronounce her name, Shauki. Tamar Shauki is a third-generation Israeli. She is the grandchild of Amal and Salim Shauki, who were a very well-known music duo in the Arab world. In the 60s, they left Lebanon, where they lived, and came to Israel. But their their music was known throughout the, the Arab world. And Tamar, Tamar Shauki, um, absorbed, I guess, in her, it's in her genes, all this uh, um, musical or even Middle Eastern musical heritage that she got. And she also, she also got a, uh, a formal Western education in music, classic jazz and so forth. So she has influences of all, all the different types, West and East, coming together. So they came up with this idea to take the classic song Mi Ha'isha Chafetz Chaim Netzor Shon Chamera etc. Bakei Shalom Fehu, written by Rebaruch Chait I think originated by the Rabbi's sons and sing it together with one verse in English in, uh, in the original Hebrew excuse me and one verse in Arabic. I wonder if I wonder if Baruch Chait knows about it, and I wonder if Baruch Chait would ever imagine that this would be presented this way. But the song is called Bakesh Shalom Virod Fehu. 
Um, is this Shauki related to the Shweki family of of musical fame here in America? I don't know. Maybe somebody can ask him. I'm I'm pretty sure that the Shweki clan, if you will, uh, is Egyptian originally. Comes from Egypt, and these are from Lebanon. But things shifted around, and the name is a little different. Either way, Shira Golan and Tamar Shauki singing the classic Miha Ish in Hebrew and Arabic. I love this. Wonder what your impression is. Please share it with us on Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. 
Shira Golan and Tamar Shauki, Bakesh Shalom Virod Fehu. A while back, I saw a video clip, and uh, I know many thousands of others saw it as well. It was a clip from the Israeli version of The Voice, this um, reality um, talent show. And it was a clip of a young man with uh, kippah and tzitzis hanging out. And when he started singing, it was like, wow. You know, when your jaw drops, wow. Sang, wowed everybody. Played the harmonica as part of the song. It was just amazing. After the song, interesting, uh, interestingly enough, he had a fascinating give and take with a panel of judges, including Shlomi Shabbat, Shabbat and... Um, Yonatan uh, Geffen's son, uh, whose name I'm having a senior moment about right now, and Eyal Geffen. Anyway, um, which was fascinating. It was like a theological discussion about belief in God and not. It's only in Israel. It's an only in Israel moment. And um, the video, <laughs> I don't know if it went totally viral, but but it was very popular. And I was thinking to myself, who is this guy? Name is Avi Gans or Gantz. Who is? Where did he come from? Who is he? Well, it turns out that he is an educator who lives in Israel and runs a um, gap year program, I believe, for spe- uh, children with special needs. Uh, music is his hobby, not not his vocation, and. Um, he has put out a, a new song. It's called Milk and Honey. And uh, I'm going to share it with you. This credits, I can't find them this very minute, but if we don't give them to you now, we'll give them to you later. So before we play that, I want, I want you to hear part, a clip. I, I took a clip of the audition uh, video uh, on the Israeli the Voice, the Voice, as they say in Israel. There's talking in the background because that's the way they do it on these shows. The, the performers performing and you, you're hearing uh, reactions of different uh, judges and people backstage and so forth. But you'll get a feel for what we're talking about as far as the music. In this great future child, you can't forget your past. Smile and try your tears. It's cute at the beginning you hear the the 
the two people backstage that are sort of the I don't know what they are exactly, but they're not judges, um, saying that the judges who can't see him, the judges have their backs turned to him as he's singing. They have no clue what it is. And when Ayal Geffen ultimately turns around, he's shocked. He said he was, you know, picturing in his mind a guy with, uh, what are they called, the Rastas? You know, like a Jamaican uh, guy. And here is this... um, from guy with tzitzis out, like it, it was a real. Uh, it, it's just amazing. So we're happy and proud to introduce him to our audience, and um, we will over um, over the next few weeks give you more information about him. I will post a link to his Facebook page uh, on our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/theisraelshow. And um, we'll try and give you more information next week uh, about this uh, very talented young man. This is, uh, I believe, his first solo release. It's called Milk and Honey. And we debut it. This is, I don't know, is this the world debut? Probably. Right here. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's a good land, it's a holy land, yeah, yeah, it's a blessing land, it's the promised land, it's the land of milk and honey, seven treasures, seven treasures, sweeter than the sunshine shining down, weep.
Gantz, Milk and Honey. The song was written by Rivka Epstein Hatin of Alon Shrut. And uh, this is was an original musical composition commissioned by Camp Moshava for the State of Israel's 70th anniversary. Um, we'll post, of course, a link to his um, to Avi's uh, audition on The Voice, which is amazing. His Facebook page is facebook.com slash Avi Gans, G-A-N-Z, music. Avi Gans, G-A-N-Z, music. And we'll post that, of course, on our Facebook page as well. We have lots more. We'll, we'll, we don't have enough time for all the music that we have, so we'll continue, of course, to debut next week. Um, this quick story, which is... Uh, those of you who have been in uh, Yerushalayim many years back, remember that there was a hotel amazingly situated, like right across from the Jaffa Gate, from Shariafo. It was called the Dan Pearl, Pninat Dan. It was managed by the Dan Hotels, but it was owned by, I believe, the Pritzker family in Chicago. Eventually, it went bankrupt. It was bought by someone else. And it's been sitting dormant for decades, I have to imagine. Oh, 15 years. That's what it says here. 15 years. I personally met with the, the person who, who bought it, the, the, the new owner at the time, 15 years ago, and discussed with him... Uh, different ideas because our company, Ariel Tours, did a tremendous amount of uh, business with the Dan Pearl. We sent a lot of business their way, and it was just a great hotel. It had a lot of advantages. Indoor swimming pool, beautiful indoor swimming pool. It had a mikveh in the hotel. It's just like an amazing place. And uh, right across from Shariafo. I mean, what a location. And, and your heart goes out when you pass it, and it's just desolate. It's such a shame. So uh, many people were were feeling, you know, really bad about that. Well, it seems that finally there's been an agreement made between the city and the ownership. And they're going to put up a new hotel, apartments, so forth and so on. And uh, hopefully within a few years, there will be yet again a hotel in that spot. What? What was the Dan Pearl, Pninat Dan, which then became Pninat Yerushalayim, will hopefully yet again be a Pnina in Yerushalayim. We're going to end off with Yossi Peretz and Naomi Shemer's Lu Yehi, but put to the music that it was originally written for, the Beatles music, Let It Be. Thank you, but we're going to first do the thanks. So much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff at the Nachum Siegel Network, and thanks as always. Very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, it's the return of Yoni Pollock. And with for, after further review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then Novak now with Jake Novak, focusing on the big stories. Analysis, with analysis from longtime TV news producer and editorial columnist Jake Novak. And then, great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM and the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race.
עוד יש מפרס לבן באופק, מול ענן שחור כבד, כל שנבקש לו יהי. ואם החלונות הערב, או נרות החג רועד, כל שנבקש לו יהי. שופר וקול תופים, קול שנבקש לו יהי. לו תישמע בתוך כל אלה, גם תפילה אחת מפי, קול שנבקש לו יהי. Lou Yehi Lou Yehi 